Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the We Believe DU Paranormal Podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Michelle. And today we got another deep dive for you guys. Um, so we are on part three of our Conjuring deep dive series. That is that right? Yeah. Or is that sounds, sounds about right? Like Michelle said, this is the third part. So, so the third movie is "The Devil Made Me Do It," which is the case. What's the, what's the name of the case? Devil made me do it. Yeah, is that what the, is that what the name of the actual case? Yes. I oh, mean, okay. uh, uh, I guess can also call it the trial of Arnie Johnson. Yeah. So right. it's based off of that. Um, we were talking about it a little bit beforehand. Um, this one, I think, is the, the movie took a lot more liberties than um, the other ones did. I mean, I'm sure the other ones did as well, right? But there just seems to be a lot more facts in the movies in the other two i feel like or, or things that actually happened in real life all in this one i feel it's gonna be a lot more uh hollywood mm-hmm. yeah and i mean a lot of people as far as the movie's concerned they the reviews for this weren't great i mean they they felt like this was the weaker of the three movies and i i'd have to agree i still enjoyed it but i definitely feel it wasn't it was definitely the least scary of the three. Well, I fell um, asleep twice trying to watch it. So that yeah. says a lot. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't the best of the three movies, um, but for sure it was, um, I mean, it was still, it was all right. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It's still good. So good. Yeah. So I actually wanted to start this with, um, uh, I guess like a little personal story with the uh, about this case um, that I didn't like put two and two together until later on. But when I went to uh, Zach Baggins Haunted Museum in Vegas, which maybe I'll get to go back again and like really take notes and try and be less scared this time around. But uh, and go now into that we know every it's all room, fake, right? Yeah, yeah seriously. Well, who knows? Maybe <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, one of, so I, I actually, I think I've maybe talked about this before or mentioned it before in previous episodes. Like I hate, I hate like demonic possession, um, stuff like, uh, whenever they play audio or even, even movies, honestly, like anytime somebody gets possessed in a movie and they start like contorting and they have like those creepy voices and like all that, like for whatever reason that gets me. Like, I just can't. But anyway, so Zach Baggins Haunted Museum, um, you can opt out of certain rooms and stuff. They didn't give us an option for this room that I walked into. Had I known, I probably would have opted out. But so they cram everyone in this small room and you're like staring and it's like a, a chair, a rocking chair and like, you know, a story of like what we're about to witness or hear or see or like what we're looking at. And it was apparently the rocking chair that uh, the little boy in this case was in or like got possessed in or mm-hmm. they were doing exorcisms, you know, to him or whatever. But all that to say, like they ended up playing the audio of one of his exorcisms and um, 
obviously he's like speaking in tongues and like it's it was just creepy as hell like i hate i hate that especially knowing that it was like actual audio um scared the shit out of me and then they just like have the rocking chair like moving slowly back and forth i was like fuck this like let me out <laughs> like dang that, that yeah it was it was creepy but it was good it was good fun facts i guess i just want to throw that in there i didn't really think that i had an not an association with this case but like had something to say about it but yeah yeah so that's crazy and what did the audio sound like was it anything like the <clears throat> the enfield audio no um because this was v- at least like the enfield audio it was like a grumbly man like it sounded like a grumbly old man kind of thing whereas this was just like you know possession like screams and like oh. No, no, no. It didn't sound like a kid either, though. But it was just like you know, like those screams and like say, uh, I don't like. I'm. I don't. I don't even want to think about it and like replay it in my brain because it's like it makes me feel not happy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't. I don't know how else to explain it other than like possession sounds or like just those demonic screams and moans and ugh, growls and shit like that. Like I can't stand it. And then, of course, you have, like, the priest or whoever in the background, like, saying prayers and, like, leave this child and I don't know what. This is not a good time. It's not a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I, I think that part of the movie was pretty I, – I, I'm not a huge fan of those movies either. Like, I remember watching parts of The Exorcist and just never being able to get fully through that movie just because it was so crazy. I mean, granted, I was also a kid. Um, and then later on, even as a teenager, I was just like, yeah, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Like, especially the part where she comes crawling down the stairs, like upside down. And yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's that's iconic right there. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that I've never been able to. See. And then so the kid like does all that kind of stuff in the movie too and it's just his body gets all contorted and stuff and yeah yeah definitely not a good time no i don't i don't and i don't know if it's like a well i don't know maybe if it was like the exorcist movie that messed me up with that or i remember uh wanting to go into a haunted house and like the theme was like exorcism kind of thing and i was just like i i don't i can't i can't i'm not gonna do that one because it was like multiple haunted houses that you can like go into and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that one. Like, that's, yeah. I'll like bring on the creepy clowns and things grabbing at you, whatever. Like, I don't want to see, I'm not going to do a whole haunted house on exorcisms <laughs> <laughs> or possession. Yeah. Well, actually, on the theme of uh, exorcisms, I don't know why we were talking about it, but we were, I was at dinner with my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, and was obviously my wife, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we were all having dinner, and I don't remember how the, the theme of exorcisms came up. It might, I don't know if it had anything to – because I know we were, talking about, we were talking about a lot of stuff, and then we ended up talking about a couple people who didn't want to get vaccinated because – 
they were talking about how you know they were using baby fetuses and all this other stuff and then my, <laughs> my, my don't, don't don't blow past that i'm sorry yeah. they use baby fetuses to make the vaccine yeah like you know how you know how they have the abortions the women have abortions they they were yes. saying that they use the baby parts to like i guess grind them up and use them to i'm assuming what they're thinking about is like uh stem cells oh but like the propaganda that they're being told is you know that they're using the baby fetuses like to make the vaccines or whatever well how do you think the microchips are supposed to work that needs baby parts in order to that got dark sorry (laughs) yeah well i don't know i mean microchips was also a thing um so it was yeah i don't know like i said I, i don't know if that's how we got into it but we ended up talking about exorcisms and stuff <clears throat> and my brother-in-law was he used to be um a seminary like he he went to seminary school so he was like studying to become mm-hmm. a priest he i mean he didn't become one but um he was telling me that uh a couple of priests uh there in matamoros have actually um performed exorcisms really yeah um and I, and I mean, I brought up, I was like, but I, it's, it's rare. It's not very common, right? Like for, for them to like, they actually have to have a lot Allow of evidence. Yeah. yeah. They have to have a lot of evidence of like an actual possession. <clears throat> and then they actually have to be approved, you know, to, to, you know, for them to perform them. And he's like, yeah. And he, but he said that like, there's a couple, I don't know if he said there's like one or two priests in Matamoros that have performed, uh, performed a few, mm-hmm. um, and actually, and then my mother-in-law said, yeah, my mom's performed one too. And I was like, what? And, and she's told me the story before. So I'm, I'm going to have to have her tell me like the story again and record it so I can tell it on a stories of high strangeness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but like somebody was, I think, possibly possessed. And for some reason, they brought her to my, my mother-in-law's mother's house. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> she... Um, don't tell the story. Well, yeah, no. She she ended up having to perform like, I mean, I don't know if she like performed like an actual like the exorcism like an actual priest would, but yeah. I, I'll like I said, I'll get her. I'll, I'll get the story from her and I'll and I'll tell you guys about it. Um, but yeah, so my wife's grandmother performed a, an exorcism at some point as well. So it was kind of crazy. Interesting. Well, I was also forgot to add about again mentioned like the zach baggins chair the that he had or whatever so he called it the devil's chair um i had found this article on newsweek where they said that he actually had to shut down that exhibit like he closed it down um mm-hmm. back in 2019 and he said that it was the uh quote is it covid no <laughs> He says, this is the first time where I have decided to shut an exhibit down at the Haunted Museum due to multiple people being affected in connection to unexplained paranormal activity of the Devil's Rocking Chair, Baggins said. Six people all shared the same disturbing, uncontrollable crying during the short time I opened the exhibit. One of them being a guest who also collapsed directly above the Devil's Rocking Chair on the stairs. Um, Baggins clarified that the chair is housed directly under that set of stairs that the guests collapse in. Mm. Um, while visitor reactions to the haunted objects aren't entirely uncommon at the museum ambulances have been called more than once in the past the rocking chair triggered a chain of emotion emotional reactions uh, even a terrifying experience that met Baggins and a friend in his own Las Vegas home 
anyway. Uh, he said that him, so he says, me and a friend felt an evil presence moving between us as we were sitting down in my living room, which then caused my dog to growl. Uh, I then became very affected, began speaking strange things about God and Satan with my head down. And then my friend began to cry uncontrollably and literally ran out of my house. Okay. Um, but, uh, I just, I just imagine them like running with their hands up like that. Like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. from, uh, was it scary? Movie, home Alone? I think. Oh, oh well, Home I Alone too. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he says it's unclear if the exhibit will ever reopen or what would happen. I'm trying to think when I went, I went in 2019 or 2020. I wouldn't have been in 2020 cause I'm assuming everything would have been shut down unless you went after the. Because 2020 oh, yeah, is when, like the pandemic was like really in full effect. That's that's right. So it was, it was tw- um, oh my god, it was 2019. Like anyway, um, yeah. So he says it's unclear if it would re- ever reopen. Which again, if we're if I went in 2020, then it did reopen. Um, but yeah, he bought the chair for sixty-seven thousand dollars. Crazy. Yeah, and um, he actually happened to buy it just hours before the death of Lorraine Warren who was like obviously one of the leading investigators in this case so that's a little odd mm-hmm. but yeah I don't know should we get into well real quick can you imagine oh. that like you, you're you're an EMT and then you get a call from the the museum and they're like hey uh, we got another one they're like another one yeah like yeah we got another one they, they just passed out and like all right we'll be right there it's all those EMFs that he's pumping in in the air. Yeah, <laughs> I I will say I mean there there were a few like you just like don't feel good kind yeah. of thing, but I didn't have any like crazy experience. All right, cool. So let's get into it then. Um, should I? Do you want me or do you want to start like? How the no, movie opens up, or I go? No, go ahead. Because honestly, like the op- the actual opening, I don't remember a hundred percent. Um, so you go ahead, and then it just opens I'll up, and you. he's already like I, doing an exorcism. No, uh, I th- no, because I think it opens up where the kid. Well, I guess I'll start. Uh, I think the kid is having nightmares or seeing stuff, and um, I think he ends up he runs to like the tub or something and the door gets um, the bathroom door gets locked or something. And they're trying to get in there cause he's screaming and then they go inside the, they finally are able to get into the, the bath bathroom and he's like all scratched up. Like, yeah. so um, I think they might, that's when they might call the church and they call the Warrens. And then that's when the, the movie starts going into the exorcism uh, part of it. And uh, they're like having a really hard time and Ed's trying to, you know, trying to get it done. And like he starts to like succeed in, you know, kind of repressing the demon or whatever was was possessing the, the kid. Um, I don't remember the kid's name. Um, and so he's there and then all of a sudden something happens that everybody ends up on the floor. Like, I don't know. I don't remember if it was just like a surge of energy or something, but just everybody ends up scattered in in the in the dining area and um i think the kid like starts to contort and then he stands up and he starts to, he i think he runs at ed or something to attack him and then ed starts having a heart attack 
and then mm-hmm. Ar- Arnie ends up grabbing him and he's just like looking at the kid in the eyes and he like yells at the demon to to like possess him instead mm-hmm. and then the demon's like okay and so he like uh transfers from the kid to to Arnie and if everything kind of just like stops uh Ed's having a heart attack so they call an ambulance and and then that scene ends Hmm. Okay, well, we're going to have to get a little bit more backstory on like the real real life events. So I'm going to I'm going to go pretty far back and then yeah. we'll catch up to where you just talked also, about. Also, yeah, well, also to where uh because the thing is like the movie doesn't reveal how the kid gets possessed until like like maybe halfway through the movie. So I mean, if you want me to talk about that, I can go ahead and do that. Yeah, I mean, you can okay. bring it up later. All right. Or, I mean, we'll just see how this flows. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, the real-life story began in the summer of 1979 in Brooksfield, Connecticut. It was a small suburban town that hadn't seen a single murder in its 193-year history, which is crazy. But cool. It was great. Um, The family of Johnson's girlfriend, uh, Deborah Glatzel, Glatzel, Glatzel. Glatzel? I don't know. I would need to see the, the G-L-A-T-Z-E-L. name. G-L-A-T-Z-E-L. Yeah, Glatzel, Glatzel sounds good. Deborah Glatzel uh, temporarily relocated to an old house at the edge of town with the intention of restoring it for future tenants. The move automatically like had a strange effect on Deborah's 11-year-old brother. Um, they... Or Dave, uh, Deborah's 11 year old brother David. They said that the paranormal activity began after they went to clean up the rental property and, that they had just, you know, acquired. And David recollected that an old man had appeared, pushing him and terrifying him. The couple initially thought David was using the old man as an excuse to avoid cleaning, but David informed them that the old man had vowed to harm the Glatzels if they moved into the rental home. So David's visions of the old man included him appearing as a demonic beast who spoke in Latin and threatened to steal his soul. Although the family allegedly heard strange noises coming from the attic, no one but David ever witnessed the old man. After um, after David experienced all these night terrors and started acting weird and um, he started getting those scratches, kind of like you mentioned, you know, in the mm-hmm. restroom and stuff. Um, so I guess it that's you know something that happened in real life that also happened in the movie mm-hmm. um that yeah after so after all these weird things started happening and with the unexplainable scratches and bruises the family called upon the services of the catholic priest who attempted to bless the house but the terrified family just concluded that the house was evil and they just didn't want to rent it because fuck that um so, which which is great because we always say like, "Hey, if the house is haunted or like whatever, like move out." So they did, which is and good on you. Decided not to rent it, unlike other people yeah. who are like, "Yeah, fuck it, it's haunted. I'm gonna leave, but let's rent it out to somebody else." It's someone else's problem, yeah. But so, according to David, the man's appearance grew less and less human as you know time progressed, and his warnings also grew more and more menacing. He appeared with big black eyes and jagged teeth and horns, hooves, and he threatened that he was going to take the boy's soul. Um, One day, the mother 
Judy, found David laying face down on his bed where he claimed that he'd been shoved by the beast man. Damn, bro. Yeah. Um, So as his visions worsened further, um, they started occurring during the daytime as well. And I feel like it's one thing when it happens at night, like when stuff starts crossing over into daytime, it's like daytime's supposed to be like your safe safe time. Yeah, your safe time, and it's not anymore. It's like that's um, how it is in the movies anyway, right? Like you're like, oh shit, it's nighttime, it's about to go down, and then during yeah. the day you're like, the people are like asleep and they're just like waiting for daytime because it's like, okay, stuff doesn't yeah. happen during the day. Exactly, they're waiting for like the sunlight to come in through the window and like they're safe, kind of thing for sure. Um, I mean. I know I've done that personally. Like if something's keeping me up at night because I'm scared, then I'll like I stay up until like five, six o'clock in the morning when like the sun starts to kind of peek through the windows and like light up the room and I'm like, okay, I'm like, safe now. Okay, I can sleep now. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have to wake up in an hour, but I can sleep now. Um, okay. So yeah, so stuff started happening during the daytime as well. And twelve days after the original incident, the family summoned the self-proclaimed demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren to assist. So Lorraine actually said that while Ed was interviewing the boy, she saw a black misty form next to him, and that told her that uh, they were dealing with something negative. Obviously, I mean, even black misty form doesn't ever sound like a good thing. So, um. Ed's analysis determined that there was not just one demon inside David, but 43. God damn, dude. <laughs> All of which the demonologist said the boy was able to name. So, like, that's those are details that, like, I want more of. Like, I wonder where we could find that because I couldn't find, like, how did he come to the conclusion that there was 43? Like, what? Like, I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of want to know their their process, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, you mm-hmm. know? Did, I mean, that's not in their on their website. I I looked at their website um, and their little like archive things mm-hmm. that they have, thinking like, oh, okay, cool, like that they were actually involved in this one, so it's going to be great. And they have a like a folder called the demon demon murder trial, but it's so short. Um, come on, like it's literally only three paragraphs worth, and I was like this. This didn't help me at all. <laughs> like I didn't get any information. Well, I, and, and it kind of makes me wonder too. Then, like, like if he had forty three demons, was it only like one demon that jumped into Arnie, or was it like all forty three? You know, because like this whole time I thought I don't know why I thought there was only one like or two one. or something. Uh, the demonologists concluded that the family's last resort was to order an exorcism. Okay. Beep, 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 beep. Hey, church, can I have an exorcism, please? Yeah, right. To go. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Debbie and her mother told the Warrens that uh, they had seen David getting beaten and choked by invisible hands and the red marks had appeared on his neck afterwards. Um, David had started to growl and hiss and speak, in, I guess, in tongues and just these, you know, like the voices that I'm talking about, like exorcism, mm-hmm. like possession noise or voices. And uh, he started reciting passages from the Bible or Paradise Lost. The The Glatzels recounted how each night a family member would remain awake with David and, as he suffered through spasms and convulsions. And after receiving a prognosis of multiple possessions from the Warrens, David was subjected to three 
quote-unquote lesser exorcisms. Lorraine asserts that David levitated or stopped breathing for a time and even demonstrated the supernatural ability of precognition, uh, specifically in relation to the manslaughter Johnson would later commit. So he knew it was going to happen, which is creepy. Because uh, his demon knew. I mean, yeah, that's true. It's true. Um, in October 1980, the Warrens contacted Brooksfield police to warn them and of the, that the situation was becoming dangerous. So, yeah, the Warrens actually tried to get, like, ahead of the game and called the police and said, hey, this is going to happen. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Like, some shit's about to go down. And, I mean, of course, they're just like, okay, yeah, whatever, and ignored them. Yeah. During, like, one of these um, exorcisms that they were trying to do, and this was actually in the... Um, the story, I guess, like when I went to go visit the the museum, um, uh, Arnie Johnson coerced one of the demons that was inside of David possessing him to possess him while participating in David's exorcism. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but I loved this show. I haven't watched it in forever, but it's called The Haunting. And that's actually where I first saw A Haunting in Connecticut. And they turned that into like a book and movie and the whole thing, which is, but anyway, um, A Haunting did a, a story on on this, this story. And um, Arnie Johnson and, uh, and, and Debbie were actually on the show and, and you know, they stand by what the Warren said and did and everything. And, and they retold their side of it or their version of it. So I remember actually seeing this like years ago before it was made into a movie. But Is it on Netflix? The show? I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I think it was like on like TLC, not maybe not TLC, but maybe like Discovery, Discovery. Channel, like, you know, like one of, one of those. Um, and they would, they would do uh, a marathon of episodes and I would just sit there and like for hours and watch a haunting. So Arnie Johnson, is like, possess me instead, leave David alone, possess me, right? And in the show A Haunting, this is where it kind of like veers away from the circumstances of Johnson's possession, as described by all those involved. And according to the show, a few days after Johnson egged the demon on during the exorcism, he was attacked rather viciously by a demon, which allegedly took control of his car and forced it into a a tree. Fortunately, Johnson was unharmed. After this incident, Johnson returned to the rental property to examine an old well that supposedly housed the demon. In both the dramatized version and his personal account, Johnson uh, recollects that this was his final encounter with the demon while completely lucid. After encountering the demon in the well and making eye contact with it, he became possessed. Imagine so, looking down the well and then just seeing these like no, eyes looking no. up back up at you. I don't want to imagine. <laughs> no. But imagine. But <laughs> it's already in my head. Thank you. You're there's, welcome. There, there is there is no trying to not imagine that. Well, if your lights flicker, it'll be good content. No, so. stop it. Stop it. Stop it, please. <laughs> Let's not. Because I, I like made sure that it wouldn't happen again. So if it happens now, something's up yeah um so after encountering the demon in the well and making eye contact with it that's when he became possessed the warrens claimed to have warned him not to do this although their warning was not mentioned in the show or in the movie i don't know right? yeah there was no i don't even like think that i'm not even sure there was a well in the movie yeah 
Um, so as David's condition worsened further, Debbie and, and Johnson were Debbie and Johnson, who had been living in her mother's home, decided it was time to move. Debbie was hired by Alan Bono, a resident of a resident in Brooksfield, as a dog groomer. And so here we are going to kind of start getting into the murder a little bit. Yeah, in the movie, I um after they do like the possession, uh, I don't think it manifests immediately with Arnie. It it's after a while. I, I I'm I'm wondering if it's even after a month because I think in the movie, again, it had a heart attack after the after they did that exorcism or whatever, and. Mm-hmm um after he does that see like the wikipedia says the following month ed wakes up at the hospital so it's like he was in the hospital for a month for a heart attack i mean i know it was a really like major heart attack but that seems like kind of you know excessive yeah but anyway at at that point like i said the, the demon enters arnie's body and um I guess wow okay I don't remember this in the movie but apparently they did they did warn them the police uh because Ed wakes up and he tells because Ed sees so I remember I do remember that he he sees uh like Arnie holding David and like telling the demon to go into his body but like Ed is like so weak that he's like he can't do anything about it so he ends up passing out the demon transfers over and i guess he wakes up he wakes up in the hospital bed mm-hmm. and he tells lorraine hey i saw the demon like you know i saw this happen you know so uh, i guess lorraine does call the police um and warns them and and the police are uh i guess they must have been like okay yeah whatever like this is this is mm. stupid this is crazy um if they do go by like i doubt they saw anything because because uh, they they were in the movie at this point they were already living at the like that dog kennel, yeah. Um, and I think like Arnie would do stuff around the house, like around the the place to like fix stuff up. And Debbie was like they mentioned was I believe the dog groomer. I can understand the police too. Like you you get a call saying, "Hey, this guy's gonna you know kill this other guy," and it's like, "Well, how do you know that?" And then you go to the place and everything's cool, and it's like, "All right, well." yeah yeah or or you get the call and you're just like i mean i guess you would check up on it because if somebody's calling you saying hey this guy's gonna kill this guy and you're like okay well let me go try and stop that from happening Mm -hmm. but you know so yeah arnie does start to kind of see things Mm -hmm. uh i believe at one point uh he's like in a hallway and like something like comes at him and scares him and they walk in they're like are you okay he's like oh yeah yeah He's, he's trying to play it off um, because I guess he starts to experience things that David was experiencing. Yeah. And he doesn't want them to like, like, know. I guess that he's the same stuff is happening to him. Okay. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and what I'm about to read, like it kind of goes into some of the, some of the stuff that, that's mm-hmm. starting to happen. But um, Debbie and, and Johnson began renting the apartment that was close to, to her place of employment. Mm-hmm. And after they moved in, Johnson started exhibiting odd behavior. And it was pretty similar to what David was going through, which you just 
you know, mentioned like, you know, similar in, in the movie or they got mm-hmm. that right, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's, it made Debbie fear that he had become possessed as well. He starts having all these things kind of happen and, and Deborah definitely took notice. And um, I guess that's when we can kind of get into it's all going to play out with the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Arnie and Alan had actually become pretty close. Like he would skip work sometimes and would go work with, uh, go work with them at the kennel. And on February 16th, 1981, Johnson called in sick to his job at the right tree service. He was a, a tree surgeon. Was, was, I didn't know that was a thing, but it is. Um, and so he joined uh, Debbie at the kennel where she worked, along with his sister, Wanda, and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin, Mary. Bono, the couple's landlord and Debbie's employer at the kennel, bought the group lunch at a local bar and proceeded to drink heavily. So this is an important detail. He had been drinking and he was drunk. Just mm-hmm. detail. Okay. Um, after... What? No, I was going to say uh, the landlord deed, right? Yes, the landlord, not not uh, Arnie. <clears throat> so after lunch, the group returned to the kennel, and Debbie then took the girls to get pizza, but insisted that they return quickly, anticipating trouble. So she already felt like something bad was going to happen. I mean, granted, it was like a super drunk man, probably, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe there's like a fight that we just don't know about or an argument or something. Um, so when they returned, Bono, intoxicated at this point, began or became agitated. Everyone left the room at Debbie's urging, except Bono, who seized Mary and refused to let go. Johnson headed back to the apartment and ordered Bono to release Mary. Wanda recounted the following events to the police. Mary ran for her car as Debbie attempted to uh, mitigate the situation by standing between the two men. Wanda tried in vain to pull Johnson away. Johnson growled like an animal, then drew a five-inch pocket knife and stabbed Bono repeatedly. Bono died several hours later. Um, According to Johnson's lawyer, lawyer, Bono had suffered four or five tremendous wounds, uh, mostly to his chest and one that stretched from his stomach to the base of his heart. Damn. Yeah. A five-inch... Anyway... Johnson was discovered two miles from the site of the killing and was held at the Bridgeport Correctional Center on bail uh, on bail of one hundred and twenty five thousand. This was the first unlawful killing in the history of Brooksfield, Connecticut. There goes that one hundred and ninety seven year or one hundred and ninety year uh, no streak. Kill. Streak. There you go. Yeah. So in the movie, it was similar. There, there was no other kids. There was no sister. There was no cousin. Um, but I remember in the movie, I believe, I believe it was that morning. Uh, he had been wanting, or maybe a couple of days before, he had been wanting the uh, the landlord dude Bono, uh-huh. who had been wanting Arnie to drink with him, but he was like, no, nah, no, nah. he like he didn't want to drink because like by this point he had already been having like all these visions. He'd been like, so he's he'd been kind of out of it. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there was one day where the guy asked him to go do something at the kennel. So he goes and he does it. Um, and then he like calls him down. He's like, hey, you know, ha- come have a beer with me. So then he was like, okay, fine, whatever. And I think at some point too, that the, the Bono guy gave him the, the knife. He gave them, he gave him a folding knife. 
I'm pretty sure it was a gift from him. Um, so they were in there and the guy was drinking. They were like listening to music and it was like super loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and Arnie was just kind of there. I don't remember if he was drinking. I, I want to say no because he was just so out of it. And then um, uh, Debbie gets there and just kind of like, what are you guys doing? This and that. And uh, just she could see that Arnie was not, you know, not well. And yeah. um, but then Arnie starts having like what Arnie is seeing isn't actually what's happening. So like they're kind of just trying to like make him kind of react or whatever, like just snap out of it. But Arnie starts seeing um, that the, the, the landlord is attacking Debbie and um, like, he's trying to get him, like get him to stop and this and that. And then uh, he starts feeling like he starts seeing him turn into a demon, if I'm not mistaken, like he starts seeing his like face get all contorted and stuff like that. And he's coming after him. So that's when he pulls out the knife and he just starts stabbing him and he kills him. And then, I mean, Debbie freaks out. Uh, Arnie starts walking out, but at this point he's possessed. I think his eyes like turn it like they, I don't remember if they go black or just something happens with his eyes. Cause I remember he starts walking and then he's like walking down the road and he's a good distance away from the, the kennel and his eyes just kind of, uh, they, they go back to normal and a police mm-hmm. like pulls up police car pulls up and he's like covered in blood. And, um, they, I, I, I want to say they ask him what's going on. And I want to say he's, he says, I think I just killed somebody or something like that, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong, but I, he says something and then it goes to like the next scene. Yeah. And then I me, mean, obviously he was arrested and taken to jail and stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I feel like it's, you know where the movie took a liberty of like oh let's make it that he's like hallucinating that she's getting attacked mm-hmm. i mean obviously it wasn't like the uh because in the movie it, it almost kind of made it seem like the landlord was innocent like he wasn't doing yeah. anything mm-hmm. whereas yeah. at least you know from i guess statements from people who were there he was being pretty you know not saying that anyone deserves to die just because they're like an drunk asshole. and being aggressive yeah or being an asshole or whatever but um clearly he there is some sort of like getting in faces and like starting shit kind of thing yeah and and that's where like in the movie that's what happens but they're hallucinations from uh arnie like the guy might have been a little bit of a jerk but it wasn't he wasn't being super aggressive and like i said in the in in the hallucinations he was actually attacking the the girlfriend. the girlfriend debbie yeah yeah so that's kind of oh. what set him off too yeah well and i mean who knows maybe he was seeing that but i don't think so um so the following day lorraine informed the local police that johnson was possessed when the crime was committed sparking a media blitz as well as talk of new book deals and film rights for the warrens which is sketchy Mm -hmm. okay johnson's attorney martin manila quickly adopted lorraine's assessment as johnson's official defense I'm very confident, he said to the Washington Post, um, I could put the Pope on and he'd tell you that if that if a guy is demonically possessed, he is not responsible. It's pretty confident. It's a yeah. confident statement there. <laughs> uh, the trial began October 28th of 1981. And um, 
Manila submitted his plea that Johnson was not guilty of the murder on account of possession, leading to the most infamous line of the trial, the courts have dealt with the existence of God, and now they'll be asked to deal with the existence of the demonic spirit. The devil proved less uh, persuasive to the jury, mm-hmm. and um, Johnson was obviously found guilty of first-degree murder on November 24th, 1981. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison, which is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. But he only served five to make it even more mind-blowing for you. So to to commit a murder and then only serve five years. Well, I guess I guess um, because I I think the 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 time that you you serve for or that you're sentenced also depends like on on if it's oh. first degree murder, second degree murder, manslaughter, this and that. So like I guess given the circumstances where it was kind of like they could have also done, gone with like the whole crime self defense, yeah, self defense or crime of passion type of thing. Like where if his you know girlfriend's getting harassed or beaten or something like that mm-hmm. um you know he was they could go with like he was i mean they went with he was possessed but i guess you, you could also have been like well he was def- trying to defend her this and that and so yeah i mean i'm not really sure i'm not familiar super familiar with the case so i'm not really sure 100 percent what they went with but that could have also been a reason why because if they, again if even if they um only charge him with like a manslaughter or something like that because it wasn't like premeditated or whatever uh it could have that that also determines like the number of years that you get on a case i mean i guess maybe dan would probably know better yeah yeah but um yeah so i think that that's maybe what has like why he didn't serve that much time oh okay Mm. well um yeah, so he only ended up serving – he got sentenced to, to 10 to 20 and then ended up only serving five. Um, and as with their other cases, the Warrens faced scrutiny for not just the facts of their story, but for their commercial interest in it as well. However, they maintained that both Glatzel and Johnson truly were possessed by demonic entities until the end. Um, Ed died in 2006 and then Lorraine in 2019. So they were, you know – stuck to their guns that this is what actually happened, that they were possessed. Mm -hmm. And of course, whether you believe the devil made me do it case is the work of Satan himself, or rather his appearances in popular media is up to you guys. Yeah. So I think at this point is where obviously the movie deviates (sighs) completely from the real real life events. Um, Because... So I think in the movie he had a female lawyer and the instead of going to to the police and telling the police that the um that Arnie was possessed they go to the lawyer and they're like hey um we're pretty sure this guy's possessed and we might be able to prove it so you know buy some time by saying you know by the basically that they wanted the lawyer to bring up the fact that the, that he was possessed and you know that he should they should go with that defense and they're like yeah this has mm-hmm. never been done before like i'm gonna get laughed out of the you know out of the court and they were like look i we're pretty sure we can prove this you know just trust us this and that and then the, the lawyer was like all right so she goes in there and like i guess when they were doing the court they did that whole thing where the devil made him do it yeah and then, so after that, now, now the Warrens have to find proof that it was a demonic possession, and um, 
So they start, you know, where did they start? I guess they, they, they found out, oh no, they, they started asking, um, Debbie, you know, how did everything happen? So then this is in the, the part in the movie where, um, Debbie starts, um, talking about how they were moving into the new house. And then, so they go to that scene and, uh, David starts like walking throughout the room, like the house, I guess, to find what room he's going to be in. Mm. And, oh, yeah. uh, he goes into the, he goes into this one bedroom and it has a water bed. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause it, no, it didn't look it like. Looks, yes. No, it did. Kind of, but it was different. It looked like, well, I, cause I remember when I watched it, like, like made Carlos pause it. I'm like, I swear to God, my parents literally had this exact same water bed. They, they had, it was similar. Cause I, I don't think the, the one in the, the movie had like those little cubby type things mm-hmm. and mom and dad's did. But yeah, it was weird because I like I think back on it now and I can't imagine how that was comfortable. Like right? one of, I can't imagine how it's comfortable. And then like say you're laying there, right? Like I move a lot when I'm asleep, like when I'm in uh-huh. bed. Like imagine just any time you like start to like any kind of movement that you do, like it just makes the whole bed like, you know, move. So yeah, you literally feel like if you're in it by yourself. That's one thing. Like maybe it's fine. But, like, Mm -hmm. if you're sleeping in it as a couple, like, just every movement you have, like, it just, you know. Or or (laughs) say you have your baby laying in the bed and then you just decide to, like, plop, like, just jump into the bed and plop down in it and the baby goes flying. Into the window. And the the only thing that kept the baby from falling out the second floor window was a window screen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're not saying that this happened or not, but. It could have possibly happened to one of us. May or may not have did actually happen. Wait, what? Yeah. Anyway, so <clears throat> I'm probably getting a phone call. I'll tell you guys how the actual story went when he when he tells me later on how this actually went down. <laughs> <clears throat> um. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, it was me. I was the baby. Um. <laughs> so he sees this waterbed and um. Like he sees kind of something kind of move inside the waterbed, and you're like, "What the hell? A fish in a waterbed?" And um, <sighs> and then all of a sudden, I think he sees like something kind of come up, like and like uh, like a figure come up in into the waterbed, and then um, at some point, somehow, like it pulls him into the waterbed, like into the actual waterbed. Like they mm-hmm. they start to they look start they start looking for him, and. Um, I guess they go into the room and they see that, you know, he's in there and I don't remember. They cut it open. So he, he ends up getting out of the waterbed. And after that is when he was um, possessed, when he, when he, uh, he started having all the, those things happen to him. Mm-hmm. So she, Debbie tells us the, the, the Warrens, the story. Um, and they must've gone to talk to the priest that had done the exorcism with them or that had performed the exorcism that they were there for. And mm-hmm. they had talked about how there used to be like a, a, a cult there and, and all this other stuff. So then they start looking for, they, they go back to the house where that waterbed was. And then they kind of, they notice like on the floor, like there's this like stain. Um, and so they had, I guess always thought it was water damage. Um, mm-hmm like the family so then the lorraine the the warrens were like uh, i don't know about this so then lorraine goes underneath 
um, because she was the only one small enough to fit. And Ed was like, don't go. And then, so she goes anyway. Um, and she goes to where that, that room would be like, but underneath the house, you know, and that's yeah. when they find this totem. And it's like a witch totem. I think we talked about mm-hmm. how I think our uncle or something may have found something similar under the house. Didn't you uh, say? No, it was, it was a statue. statue? Like oh. a, yeah. But I, well, I think, I we, think we, we were, like we were wondering if there may have been something under the house. At, oh at yeah. We mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she finds this totem and uh, then that priest sends them to an occultist who like he, he was a priest and he ended up retiring and stuff, but he was like really into the occult and stuff. So they go talk to him and, uh like he kind of pretends like he doesn't know what the like what's going on like he 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 does mention that he dealt with them before but like he doesn't give them a lot of information and mm-hmm. then uh i i want to say he mentioned something about another case another murder that was similar to arnie's case so then um they go and investigate that one and they so they go to this police station and this this town that's you know a bit away from where they were before and <coughs> sorry um they're talking to the police there and the police are like dude y'all are fucking you're full of shit like you know basically a bit like what you're saying like how people don't believe that didn't believe them and what they were doing was real and stuff yeah. um i, th- I want to say the guy the police officer was like i've heard of you all and this and that Uh-oh. yeah and then um and this so they, is this is like completely because this is where I fall asleep. So I have abs- you're literally telling me the story right now. Yeah, but so, this is spoiler like, alert. We forgot to say at the beginning. Sorry. No, it's all good. But so this is a completely different murder than what yeah. we've been talking about, right? This uh-huh. is just yeah. This is else. something. Okay. This is something else that happened that was similar to what had happened with Arnie. Okay. Where like it was just um. Just somebody murdered somebody like by stabbing them, and it was just it was a weird, also was some weird, yeah, weird circumstances where somebody didn't have like gotcha. any priors or anything like that, and just it happened. Yeah. So then they were looking for the girl. They, I think they thought that they that she had disappeared, and then they had combed the entire uh, lake already uh, as well. So Lorraine's like running basically because she's following this girl in her vision, and then they're trying to keep up. And, uh, like she finally gets to these cliffs and she's standing there, uh, like freaking out. And then I, you know, Ed finally gets to where she's at. She kind of, I guess, snaps out of the vision, if I'm not mistaken, or she, I guess she had seen the girl like go over the cliff. Yeah. And then, uh, so she turns around and she looks at Ed Ed all freaked out. And this is where in the promos of the movie, like the previews, you see her like standing at the edge of the cliff and then you just see something pull her and like mm. she starts to fall and she mm. catches herself and then ed like throws himself catches her like it was like super like uh action movie type of thing <laughs> yeah. uh, but he grabs her and then i want to say the cop comes as well and they both kind of pick her up and then mm. lorraine's like uh she's down there uh she's in the yeah, water in the water there and then the guy was like we already checked, you know, we've already, we already combed this entire lake or whatever it is. Uh, we didn't find anything. And, and I, I want to say she was like in this underwater cave. So she was down there. So then they yeah. search again and they end up finding the body. So they mm. pull the body out. And then uh, Lorraine and, and Ed are still trying to like figure out what's going on. 
um, because again, they said it was in a cult or it was a cult and that the totem was a witch's totem. So somebody was like cursing the family and they're trying to figure mm-hmm. out why would anybody want to curse the family? So then they go to the body at the morgue they kind of sneak in at night and uh, Lorraine touches the body and she ends up having like a two-way connection with the, the witch that was making the, mm. the that was doing the curse. The and she was actually, yeah, she was seeing, um, she was seeing her do it. She, I think she saw her do the one for the other girl and she saw the one, uh, she saw her in the moment trying to make Arnie kill himself. Um, because I think the totem or like for like the curse had to be something like, you know, that the person had to kill someone else and then kill themselves or something weird like that. Uh-huh. So she was trying to make um, Arnie kill himself now. Uh, so they had put him on suicide watch. They called the. I think the priest, either the pre that him or the priest called like the, the, the corrections place and they ended up putting him like on a suicide watch or something like that. And so Lorraine's seeing all this and um, Ed's kind of like just kind of keeping an eye out. And then all of a sudden this other body comes to life. And again, because there was a two-way connection. So Lorraine was able to see the witch and the witch was able to see what was going on with Lorraine and where like Lorraine was at. So she like possesses this body and this body like comes to life and starts attacking like Ed's fighting with this thing. And even though he's got a heart condition. Um, because I think the light had gone out because the light is one of those where you turn it and it's like on a timer. Uh-huh. So he had to go like turn on the light and that's when the body came up and stuff. And he was trying to yell at Lorraine to like break the connection. And um, so, yeah, I think in the jail cell, like the light bulb ends up like ends up smashing and then Arnie ends up cutting himself with that. And yeah, so it was uh, the whole thing. And yeah. after that, uh, they end up um, as they go back to their house and they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And uh, their assistant dude, the one that came out in all the movies, uh, yeah, uh, he was there at the house. And um, I, cause I want to say that they got warned about something happening at, like to them or something like that, or maybe Lorraine had some visions. So they end up in the house and, uh, uh, point is that they they're in the house and Ed's trying to kill Lorraine, and they're like, "Whoa, what the hell's going on?" So um, he's trying to kill her, and he kind of snaps out of it, and they they somehow destroy the altar, saving himself and Lorraine and Arnie. Like, because oh, because at this point too, um, she was trying to like fin- the the witch was trying to finish it off. So the priest and Debbie were in the the prison with him. Mm-hmm. And like it was like there was a storm and he started like getting like super like possessed and crazy and like getting all messed up. And I want to say he levitated as well. Um, but yeah, so they were able to get down in there. They destroyed the altar. And then because she wasn't able to come, the witch wasn't able to complete the the sacrifices that she was supposed to make. The demon ends up like killing her and like mm. yeah, destroying her. So then everything's done the whole all the curses are over the witch is dead ding dong the witch is dead um yeah and then arnie goes to trial and he's sentenced to whatever 10 years and does five and everybody lives happily ever after that's hilarious how they took something that like how they can go so far with the story (laughs) like now i guess I guess, well, again, I, I think it's because they like, there's no, um, yeah, 
like with the with the with the Enfield, like there was, I guess, kind of proof that there was stuff happening, and there was a lot of stuff that did happen, and and also with the with the other family, the the uh, Perone family. Mm-hmm. They, they like there was so much like they had actually investigated and all that stuff that they you know they were able to make movies out of it and then this one is just kind of like there like was some half, stuff yeah or not even half of the story like actually happened and then like yeah. the rest of the movie is liberties lots yeah. of liberties yeah well, liberties were taken but and i think that was the issue that people had with the movie too is like just that mm-hmm. how much of the movie was not like but and again it's like i don't know the stuff with david i mean obviously it was documented but then with arnie like there wasn't much that they did as far as you know trying to exercise him or 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 anything like that so it was like mm-hmm. what can you really based like from the warren's point of view like what can you actually do or go how can you make a movie off of that like literally the movie would have ended after the murder because yeah the guy they just say oh you know he was possessed and then that's it you know so now you have to like okay in the movie you have to make up like okay so why was he possessed and then granted i I don't know if this i mean i'm sure this was before but in the movies there was only david and debbie but apparently in real life they had another brother yeah, uh, yeah, they had another brother, and the brother has denied completely that any of this ever happened, or not that it didn't happen, but like that it was demonic. He maintains that his brother was mentally ill, that he was like by. I think he's like was saying that he's bipolar and stuff like that. So that's why he had all these things happening to him, and that he had a history of like epilepsy. Um, so that's why he would have these seizures and stuff like that. So, um he always maintained that it was fake that the Warrens came in and like kind of coached the family on what to do and say to make this seem like it was like a demonic, um, demonic possession or whatever. But, mm. uh, then you have David and Debbie who say something else. Like they say that this was all real. So yeah. it's kind of like, <clears throat> do you believe? Yeah. Or who's but, telling the I mean, truth? Obviously there's a lot of people who don't believe what the Warrens did. So they're obviously going to go, they're going to believe more of, what the the other brother said which he didn't come out in the movie obviously uh like his character yeah you know didn't come out in the movie um but obviously the people who don't believe in what the warrens do or did or whatever aren't going to um are there are they're going to side more with him and then people who do believe what the warrens did are going to go along more with what uh Debbie and David and the Warren said, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. Again, That's as far as the movie's then. concerned, yeah, as far as the movie's concerned, like, like I said, it wasn't a bad movie, but I think it's just because, I don't know, maybe it's just because it wasn't as, like, real in the sense of they, again, took more liberties with this movie than with uh, the others. Yeah. Uh, That's part of i guess what the issue that these people had and and people still think that it's the warrens it's like dude the warrens are dead like they had nothing to do with the making of this movie yeah yeah part of me is almost like maybe it wasn't as popular because it was more of a true crime than it was paranormal Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i feel like you could dismiss 
you know, find like that say, okay, David was actually possessed, but then like Arnie, it's like true crime. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not like full on paranormal, I guess, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, I do, I do like this story just cause like I find it interesting that it was like the first time, you know, that people were like, Oh, the devil made me do it. But yeah, I don't, I'm surprised that they would use it for like the conjuring part three mm-hmm. kind of thing. But when they had two like such like solid, solid stories, yeah, and then they went with this one. If you haven't watched them and, and spoilers don't bother you, then I definitely recommend watching them. Uh, if you can watch them and not have to pay twenty dollars to watch them i would recommend not having to pay that much but i think you can find them um you might be able to find them on prime i'm not sure for like three bucks or something like that but if you google if you google the movies you can you'll find it'll tell you there where you can watch them Uh, but definitely check them out they're entertaining to say the least um especially the first two are like if you like jump scares those are definitely they're they're good. Uh, if you don't like jump scares, um, don't bring watch them. bring bring up the website and just read when they're coming. The jump scares are coming, so you can be prepared. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but yeah, I mean, and then the third one, it's not. It's honestly not that scary. It, it it has some moments, but it's not as intense as the other two. And and also feel free to like look up the, you know, the cases Actual on your screen. own. Yeah. And look up those videos. I don't. I don't think I ever put that stuff up on YouTube. So I will do that. I will put that up on YouTube right now. I will do that right now. And yeah, guys, uh, it was it was fun doing this. It was fun looking like yeah. doing the comparisons. For sure, yeah. And but let us know what you guys would like us to deep dive next. I know that we had like these these three months kind of scheduled exactly what we we're gonna do, but now we're kind of open to to deep dive into whatever topics you guys want us to dive into or we'll pick something ourselves but if you have you know any suggestions topics, suggestions you can go to our website which is we believe we have a contact section where you can give us your suggestions there you can let us know if you want to be interviewed or if you have any stories that you want us to tell that you can definitely send them in through there uh, if you want to check out our social medias, the links for all our social medias are on our website. And if you want to listen to the podcast, you have multiple ways to listen on the website as well. And that is webelievedyou.com. Make sure you guys send those stories in because we believe. Do you? Do you?